Ken Jung. Is that the one where he like jumps out of the trunk of the car? Or is that the first no, that's one? That's the first one. I have no idea what the second one is then. Yeah, give it a give it a watch if it, if you can find it for free. Can I find it for free? What type of question is that? Of course I can. I also may or may not have recently gotten a cease and desist on something. Oh shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What did you do? I didn't do anything. Oh, fuck. I said may or may not have. <clears throat> All potentials. It wasn't on our song, was it? What song? Oh. Our intro song? No, no, oh. no, no. No, though we, uh, whenever we do play music, it's always like any like copyrighted music, yeah. regardless of like use. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not technically fair use the way that we've used music in the past. Yeah. So it's fine. Um, but it's not, it's not even like, um, like, a um, what's it called? Like a cease and desist in the sense of like, stop using it. It's just like, we're banning your, like it's on YouTube oh. almost always. And it's like, you're not going to be able to see this in like Cuba or like North Korea. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And <laughs> I'm like, that sucks, but not sure about our, I guess if we even have lifts, uh, as far as I'm aware, no listeners in those areas. Should we like put on youtube or like a disclaimer like we don't uh we don't negotiate with the communists communists or communist countries um no that's fine <laughs> i think we're i think we're fine where we're at <laughs> um yeah what it's like well it's also not like there's uh, there, uh iran i think was one of them that yeah, i usually would see pop up mm-hmm. in like pakistan or something like that there's a couple like middle eastern countries that it's, would like it yeah. would get banned from so no places we actually no, none that none that as far as I'm aware have uh, have viewership, but yeah. still doesn't mean I like it. Yeah, right. I'm not a fan of censorship unless the Iranian weightlifting team starts to follow us. Then it'd be different. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> did they? They did. Who was it? Who's the guy that like broke all of the records? Was he Iranian? I think he was Iranian. I can't remember L- Lashka or something. No, yeah. it wasn't. Was it him? I thought so. He did it last year, right? No, no, like this <clears throat> this Olympics. Oh, this he, Olympics that I don't know. I yeah, didn't. he he like broke the record for snatch, clean and jerk, and total. Oh, no, I don't remember. I was not up for the highlights and or the the live, and then I didn't follow up with the highlights. Uh, I watched a little bit of it, um, only like kind of more of the spectacle ones. What as I think it was like the one of the women from the Philippines. Oh won yeah, the medal right. Yeah. It was like the first time ever in twenty something years. Yeah, yeah, um, or thirty something years actually. Uh, yeah, she won the first gold medal for the Philippines. She ended up getting like two houses, three houses, maybe two houses, and then like, like a bunch of money. Yeah, something shit, like that. Shit ton of money. I have a client who's from the from the Philippines, and <laughs> that's all he kept talking about. Yeah. Every time he's like, "Do you, do you see it?" I was like, "You got a crush on her, don't you?" <laughs> he's like, hey, "Yeah, she's beautiful, so I can't help that." But he's yeah. Like, also, yeah. she's a criller in weightlifting. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's winning well you're just winning full circle pretty much yeah i I did um I've, I've definitely gone through and watched a bunch of like highlights from some of the sports like yeah some of the trip a lot of the track and field um and then diving obviously for me and what else uh i watched synchro because that was crazy um and actually that was kind of a lot of it really the main ones that i watched yeah. a lot a lot of track and field because i'm like you never see track and field so you have to like actively search you have to that search, one out. Yeah, well, uh, we were trying to watch wrestling, and 
they weren't doing any of the wrestling live. Like the scores were updated live, but you couldn't watch anything. So it was kind of annoying. So you gotta get a VPN for that. Yeah. You gotta get a VPN for everything. It helps. You I mean I'll give you my login if you want to use it. We're gonna get banned. Why? We'll be looking up shit that we shouldn't be looking up. You look it up. It's just <laughs> it's just geolocking. Which is such a weird concept. <clears throat> they do they are geolocking, regional locking. Yeah. They they do that with um Dude, I remember back back in the days when I worked at Circuit City. Yeah, we um, people would come in and ask like we would get like people from outside the United States that would like relocate here or locate here, and they would ask if they if we had any like region unlocked like DVD players or Blu-ray players, and I was like, what what is that? Yeah, um, I mean, this was what can like, you do that to an old DVD player? Yeah, really? yeah, that, that's almost how a lot of them come. Huh. So there's like a specific coding. I don't know if this is the case anymore, but it was then. So like DVDs would have like certain coatings. So say if you were buying like foreign films, more often than not, you weren't going to be able to play them on like US sold or or like sold um, like players because they didn't they just didn't have the same format. So right. I want to read it. Right. And so you would have you could buy like it's similar to like a cell phone where you can get like unlocked phones because um, like carriers will like make them specific to like just AT&T, just Verizon. Yeah. So it was, the, it was the same concept. Um, and so that like geolocking is such a weird thing, right? So like the the power of the VPN with the world of the internet right now is that you can, that you can like log in and be like the, say like Netflix would read you from either coming from like say the UK, where then you can actually watch like things that are going to be UK specific Netflix things mm-hmm. that you can't, you, they just don't have in the US or vice versa. Um, like for example, I want, um, I was trying to watch, trying to watch like Rick and Morty or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when I logged into the UK Netflix, it was on Netflix. Oh, what? It was, it was something like that. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, all right, this is cool. So like I can watch stuff that I couldn't normally. Yeah. Um, thanks to, <laughs> thanks to a VPN. VPNs, man, they're magical. They really are. You, you get to travel without leaving the comfort of your couch. Well, that, yeah. Well, that and too, like if you are ever traveling like internationally as well, like say if there's something that you wanted to watch within the United States, but you're like, you're overseas, that same like region lock happens. So if you were, so you can go to like your VPN, lo- like create, like transfer through a, like a, a server to the United States and you'll be able to have like U- United US based things, um, which is kind of cool. You have to take it from the East Coast, right? Like if you're over, if you're across the pond, the best server would be East Coast server. Like you wouldn't want to log into a West Coast server if you're in London. Uh, I don't. <clears throat> at that, I think at those levels of distances, I don't know. I mean, that I don't know. Oh. I don't know if it would matter because I know for like gaming specific, if you're playing in, if you're playing in Europe or Asia, but you want to play with friends in North America, what you would do is you would you would lock into an East Coast server mm-hmm. because it's closer. The latency is closer than, say, like if we all live on the West Coast and we have a buddy who, who lives in, uh, I think, Iraq. Um, he logs into the East Coast server and then we're able to sync up. He's a little slower because we're playing on the West Coast server. But then if we transfer our location to the East Coast server, we're all in the same latency. So Yeah. 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 I imagine that same concept would apply then through like VPNs. Sure. Why not? Yeah, I, I figured because it's a it's a streaming service, so I would imagine you'd want the closer North American access point. Yeah, but I don't know, right? I don't. I wonder. I don't know enough about how how all of that functions. Mm. 
Mom. Well, get smarter, please. I'm trying. God. Um, I mean, it's just a series of tubes, so I guess dependent the the length of the tube will dictate the. Uh, That's what she said. The speed at which information travels through. That's what she said. That's a penis joke. <laughs> <laughs> dumb. <laughs> um, Speaking of dumb. We, Eric, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about some dumb comments <laughs> made by uh, an unnamed source uh, about squatting and how back squats are detrimental to you. <laughs> or more, more specific. Yeah. So to give some context, something was, something was said and written and was sent my way that was hold on dumb <laughs> um that was talking about back squats and so the context of the video itself was saying like you know hey i'm a coach i need to you know part of my job is to explain like the benefits of like exercise and training and blah 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 and so uh when and the and he was like i'm going to show you how to do a back squat and he goes no you're actually you shouldn't and so the idea was that back squats put an unnecessary amount of stress on your entire back and back. And unless you're competing in the sport that requires you to back squat, then you shouldn't do it. And that really you should stay completely away from it and only do things that are going to front load your body, i.e. like front squats. And I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. Um, dumb. Damn. So I think, uh, before, I guess before I go into like any, our, my comments on that. Eric, do you have anything to note like that you want to like start talking I'm, about with that? I mean, yeah, you and I were shooting the shit about it when you first passed it along to me. And my honestly, my jaw dropped when I heard it and I was reading it, I reading along with it. And I was just like, how how is this person as a coach telling his athletes or or just actually to the public now because it's on social media that back squats are detrimental to your health to a certain extent. Like you know, telling telling athletes you should avoid back squats and focus solely on front squats because you'll get the same benefits. You know, to a certain extent, he's not wrong, mm-hmm. but at the same time, calling back squats detrimental is fatal to any CrossFit career or, or, or fitness career. You 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 can't call one of the foundational functional movements detrimental to general health. Yes. Oh, 100 percent. I I was I, yeah like you, when I when you said that to me my jaw dropped and I I was puzzled just like how how do how? you coach and if I'm not mistaken own this facility uh, that that I can't comment and, on and <laughs> I, yeah and then and then reading the following comments below from his athletes about you know oh yeah you go coach you tell them like oh god no please stop where have I seen this before oh well I won't I won't fault the people I won't fault the, right. the members or you, clients and you, stuff like that. you follow what you're taught you, yeah yeah the you know the earlier today I was having having a talk with Marissa and one of the points that I was like bringing up was like we live in I think one of the downfalls to discourse is that we live in a world of very short, brief comments. So this video that was posted was 30 seconds, maybe worth Mm -hmm. of like content to get any sort of higher level concept across in 30 seconds is arguably impossible. Mm -hmm. And so the only way you can do that is kind of make kind of big claims because you can't get into the nuances of it. Right. So like you were saying at kind of at like surface level, it's like, uh, or sorry, um, kind of like what you were saying is that it's not, um, oh shit, I totally just lost my train of thought, <laughs> it, whatever. 
anyway, um, but the the idea that they're just horrible for you. Oh, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> the idea that they're just like straight up terrible for you is like like there's more to that conversation to just than that, yeah. right? It is a very much a fundamental like movement. Um, now the the one thing that I will note though is that in the description of it, the conversation changed. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a little bit more nuance here, which I think is actually pretty good for the most part. So I'll read it off. So it says back squats don't get use of the load as a means to teach your core how to engage correctly. This is why you see, see so many people quote dump into their pelvis as they back squat. And ideally what that means is like you lose position, right? Or that, uh, the kind of the pooping dog look. Uh, when this happens, people lose stability, creating more stress on the lumbar spine, the low back, and less on the actual leg muscles themselves. As we age, the compression from loading our back becomes less healthy and tolerable, tolerable for our spine. And then it was quoted as saying that a famous study by Gullet et al. Uh, revealed the following, and it was, quote, the front squat was as, as effective as the back squat in terms of overall muscle recruitment with significantly less compressive forces and extensor moments. And moments is a kind of a big word to, um, I guess, define in this context, but it's, well, I would not really touch on that. Just, just think of that as, um, the extensor muscles activating is probably the best way you can kind of think about that. So a little bit of a different tune of saying back squats are bad. You should never do it and only do front squats. But at least in this, in this instance, there is some context where they were trying to argue that there is less, um, quote, core engagement from it. And more often than that, people tend to uh, dump into their pelvis and lose stability, creating more stress on lower back. I've, I've seen an equal amount of front squat dumps and back squat dumps. Yes. To say one is more than the other, no. So let's, let's break that down, right? <laughs> let's, like, like, let's give context to this stuff. Yeah. So exactly what you were saying, 100%, right? Like front squ- the, the difference, one of the big differences that I notice within front squats is that it is highly predicated on really good ankle mobility. I agree. In order to have a nice vertical front squat, like you would assume, you have to have knees go very far over your toes. Otherwise, you are aggressively loading and like rounding through your back. Um, And arguably, the front squat is actually harder to perform because it requires more ability to stay vertical and upright than... Um, any of the other movements, right? It also tends to be more of a, uh, quad dominated exercise as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then, you know, another thing too, is it, it's when we say, uh, um, the full movement, right? We're, we're talking, you know, hip crease below parallel, right? That you, you need that mobility to, to get all the way down there. Yes. You know, I, I don't know if, if this specific coach is saying, you know, oh, it's easier. Like if they're you know, half squats, quarter squats, three quarter squats. Like, yes, okay, I can see that being more effective for those who are suffering from the spinal issues or spinal loading or even knee issues, as we pointed out, just like the article had said. Um, you know, if you were having those, you probably shouldn't be loading that much weight to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can see the defense of like, okay, yes, a frontal position is probably safer, especially if you're not going all the way down. But at the same time, it's not going to benefit you more than the back squat if you're loading the same arguably the same weight on your back like if you if you're going for lighter loads you're you're going through the same muscle progression for the most part yeah yeah um i think this is where nuance comes in 
right? Because in my opinion, no exercise is inherently good or inherently bad. It's all about the application at which you apply it. So if you're thinking about front squat or back squats in this sense, and your, your concern is about spinal compression, well then in rea- if your concern overall is spinal compression, then in reality, you shouldn't load your body. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put things in your hands, weight wise, you're technically loading your spine. Yeah. If you put a weight in the front, you're still loading your spine. If you put it in the back, you're still loading your spine. If you put it overhead, are you loading your spine? A hundred percent. Oh my God. Crazy. Right. So any, anything that you do that is going to be putting force through the upper body in some capacity loads your spine yeah. to what degree will depend, will change based off of the overall weight. So when we look at it, a back squat can feasibly, you should, I mean, mechanically, you should be able to move more weight in a back squat than a front squat. So the, in turn, yes, you can argue that there is now going to be more overall quote compression onto the spine. Um, just like, yeah. So, and, and, and inversely, right. Because a front squat tends to be less in overall weight, then yeah, you're going to have feasibly less compression through the spine, right? Again, it comes down to the overall mass being, or weight being applied to the body. Um, but a back squat isn't necessarily bad. So the, yeah, stop me at any point. Cause I'm just going to, I'm going to ramble. You're still right. So, <laughs> right. So then where, where I start to take issue the, the biggest, so that's part one as to where I take issue. Part two that I start to take issue then is when you don't, when you don't apply the nuance to this movement. So if you're saying, Hey, okay, Hey, back squats don't get the, don't get, don't get use of the load as a means to teach your core, how to engage correctly. That is a coaching issue, not a movement issue because all any movement that you do technically should be a quote core exercise, right? If you are exercising and you are moving, you should always be able to engage your quote core. So, um, I keep saying apple core, I keep saying quote. Can we, can, oh yeah, you just said quote. Cause I, cause I, I find the term core so ridiculous. Can we, can we switch it to trunk? Yeah. I'm, I'm down with trunk. Yeah. Trunk or even abs. Abs, abs, I have a little bit of an issue with only because when people say abs, they usually think about like the, the, the muscles that you can see. Fair. Right. Okay. But, let's say trunk. I, I like trunk. Yeah. And I think John Wellborn would be proud of us. I think trunk works fine. I mean, if we're, if we're being specific, the way that I think about it is I talk about a muscle called your transverse abdominis. Oh God. Right. TA, TA. which is essentially if, uh, if you think of like Victorian England, uh, royalty wearing like corsets, that's essentially what it is. It's just a, it's a, it's a weight belt, yeah. an internal muscular weight belt. Um, my opinion, that's what core is anyway. Um, but any, anything that you do movement wise or just existing, like if you're standing, there's going to be, uh, like trunk engagement it ha- you have, you have to. to, yeah. Yeah. You know, like hanging from the pull-ups, like you're not just going to let your trunk release because yeah. at that point you're, you're doing the opposite of compressing your spine. You're actually releasing it and decompressing, decompressing. But at the same time, like that's also not healthy because your, your body should be so intact that you're pulling as one unit versus you're your lats and shoulders doing all the weight and then carrying dead weight below you and stretching your spine out unnecessarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's the hanging position when you're doing, uh, um, squats, you, you have to brace that trunk so that your body maintains that upright pos- position, deadlifts, snatches, cleans, Anything. all of it. Yeah. Burpees, burpees. You want to have a solid trunk. Yeah. Right. Because the, the rea- the reality of the movement is, or any of these movements is it's all about force transfer. And so when we look at, like if you look at just a skeleton, 
right? When we look at like the anatomy of a lot of things, like what do we see? We see a lot of bones to bones, right? You think of like the femur to the tibia and the fibula. We look at the humerus to the, um, the radius and the ulna, right? So there's like, or and everything in between. But when we look from the hips to the upper body, it's your spine. There's nothing else bone-wise that connects those things. And so in order to appropriately transfer force from lower body to upper, upper body or vice versa, we need something to be able to like handle that load. And that's where the trunk muscles come into play. So in order to deadlift appropriately, realistic, like, you know, you think about the movement, what is, well, we'll say, let's say on squats, right? Cause yeah. this is talking about squats. Um, so what is it that we're doing? Well, the weight is being held up by the upper body in say a back squat. So we want to try and make sure that we can keep as rigid of a position in our upper body. So we think about engagement through the shoulders and like kind of the, the shoulder complex as a whole, right? You move a little bit further and then you go all the way down to the lower body. Well, the legs are the things that are producing the force against the bar. So the, you want to be able to have so strong, solid contractions. Now we have to transfer the, the force from the ground all the way up into the bar that we're acting on. And that into that middle portion is the trunk right? So we have to make sure that there is appropriate engagement there. And if you can't feel that, um, well, well, one it's happening no matter whether you, you know it or not. Um, I think it's important to be able to actively control it and actively feel that it is functioning, um, because it just makes you a little bit more connected to your body as a whole. Um, if your issue in this case for the person that wrote this, if the issue is that you feel like that it's not, um, it's not a, an appropriate, it's not a, a decent means to load your trunk. You're, you're kind of wrong, um, to be, if we're being super honest. And if you're having issues where people are dumping it into their pelvis, well, there's bigger issues to be addressed. Yeah. <laughs> and more often than not, that's not, that's not a, uh, a lack of trunk engagement. It's more of a position, like more of a like position and mobility issue. Yeah. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, and this is, we talked about the, the ankles earlier. Like that's, that's a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're, if you, if you don't have range of motion through your ankles, say in the deep and the going into like, say a deep squat, well then your body will still move down. So what's going to happen? Your knees are going to stop forward progression. They're not going to move as far forward, say like over the toes, so they stop moving. And then what happens? And then you start to hinge from the hips where you're going to start to see more, um, more movement through potentially like the low back, right? The lumbar spine and the pelvis tilting. Um, you could even start to see it where it almost starts looking like an RDL, right? Where you get really like a, for, a pretty significant forward lean, right? And we've all seen somebody do this at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So, and that, so the question then is, is it the movement issue? Is it the, the, the exercise itself, a back squat? Or is it the ability of a person to perform an optimal back squat? Or part three, is it the coach who is not appropriately, um, modifying the movement to whatever that person's ability is. And my answer is all of them. Technically, <laughs> actually, no, it's not the exercise. The exercise is not the problem. It's, the, it's the latter two. <laughs> it's, it's the person's ability to move and the coach not addressing, appro- addressing the movement appropriately for the person. Yeah. Two and three. Yeah. Um, right. Because for example, like I have people who can't do an Astagrass squat. That's cool. Yeah. They also don't need to. Right. Right. The, those people, for example, are quality of life type of people. They want to get stronger. They want to be able to exist through life better. Yeah. And squatting is very much okay for them. Um, the big things that I looked at, I look at, right, is one depth. For mm-hmm. example, most of my people do box squats. They don't really need, like, 
you know, uh, they'll do box squats because it's an easy way to teach them how to move. Mm -hmm. Also loading wildly important. I'm not just slapping a shit ton of weight onto their backs and being like, figure it out. Yeah. Um, it's like, we're going to start with a barbell, maybe throw some tens on to begin with. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to slowly progressively build you up because there's all of these facets to the movement that we have to teach you how to do. Yeah. Right. So I need to teach you how to have appropriate trunk engagement. I need to teach you how to actually just move because most people don't know how to squat. Right. Um, and then as, as your ability to move gets better and more fluid, then it's like, okay, let's stress you a little bit more with a little bit more weight and we can continue to progress there. And yeah. that's go ahead. As a side note, you know, what stresses me out the most is like in a, in a gym setting or in a group class setting, right? You're working with specific athletes like you and I do, and we're working on that progression and they go to a separate class or a different coach tells them, oh no, just keep loading on weight and figure it out. Like that shit irks me so much because it's like all the progress that you started to develop crashes and burns in one session yeah because then they develop bad habits they their their ego is pumped up beyond what their body is capable of and you have to start over and that's it's so frustrating it's so frustrating but yeah, yeah that's just my side tangent. no i mean it's it's irresponsible right and and i there's a lot of me that wants to blame them um, or put blame on like the coach in some of that regard. And to a certain degree, I feel like you can, but also ignorance is a thing, right? They might not know, which yeah. is scary in its own right, in my opinion. Yeah. But you know, th there's a lot of factors that play into that. Yeah. It, 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 you know, you can share blame on the athlete too, because they, you know, they may not say, Oh, well I was working with coach so-and-so and they're helping me develop this. They may just walk into the class and be like, well, I've got this in my bag. Let me try this out. Yeah. And the, the next coach is just like, well, I don't know anything about you. So have at it. Do, do what you've been doing. If, yeah. you're, if you feel comfortable with it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so, but then when we look going back into this, like squatting concept, the same rule, the same rule that I just explained for a back squat applies to a front squat too, though. Does it? It's weird enough. Wow. Right. So it's like they're almost the same movement. Yeah. So we, we have like specifically through the CrossFit world, you know, we talk about, um, this the ways that a movement should look we have standards of movement and things that we want to look at uh, spinal position hip knee positions foot positions etc and so any deviations from that is like let leads us to believe that there is something has affected it in a way that your body can't handle whether that's load whether that's repetitions whether that's ability to move through space right range of motion that type of thing so to cast out an exercise saying that it is dangerous for you um, just leads me to believe that there's ignorance involved or that you're not, you don't, just don't have the ability to see what the issue might be and problem solve. Because I've seen, like we just said earlier, we've seen the exact same thing happen in, in um, what's it called? The front squats. Mm -hmm. Like loss, loss through the pelvis, loss through the upper back yeah. is like one of the biggest things I see. Yeah. Um, you know, if this is, yeah, loss through the upper back, right? So in the, the, but the same progressions apply and like you start, you start if you, light, you start, yeah. Yeah. Whether it's super light, maybe not even weight at all. Um, even PVC just, yeah. PVC play or, or even elbows up. Cause a lot of, a lot of issue, what people have is that front rack mobility is they can't even put their thumbs to their shoulders. Like, you know, like I'm showing you now, it's like they, they, they're here. Yeah. Right. You need this front rack position in order to get that front squat. Anything less than this is already a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the, right. And the further, the further 
Right. It started like stuff like you were just explaining that it turns into where your hands are holding the weight versus your trunk. Sure. Yeah. Your trunk and shoulders exactly. actually taking the weight. Um, you can like we were talking about, you can start seeing that, that round in the for in the front. And like we said earlier, like front loading the body makes it harder, right? It, it's, it's, it, it is harder to do a good heavy front squat than it is to do a good heavy back squat. Um, just because positionally it requires a lot more work to stay very upright mm-hmm. in this movement. Cause you have to stay upright Yeah. Um, because how quickly it is for that weight to start moving over your base of support, which is, should be about the middle of your foot. Um, it travels, it gets so easy for that to travel away from you. And yeah. then now you're like, your toes are digging into the floor. Your heels are coming up. Like you get, a, you get some weird positions in like front squats. If you're not ready to handle it, you're dog pooping very much. So yeah. if not, if not more so, yeah. um, Right. And yeah, so that, that, that was kind of like one of those weird, that was a weird thing that bugged me. Um, the other part too is when we, they were talking about, um, as we age, the compression from loading our back becomes less healthy and tolerable for our spine. Again, I disagree. It's all, it's all, um, sure. If you're like 95 years old, probably, probably at this point, not one RM in your back squats though, though, I don't know if you saw recently, there was like a 101 year old lady who uh, just PR'd in a powerlifting meet. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's insane. But like, if you are if you are actively training and weight training now, one, that helps in bone strength, right? From the just the pure force of putting load through your body is great for health, like bone health, muscular development, neuromuscular, neuro, neurological development. Um, when we look at like ability to move through space as we grow, grow old, um, coordination, balance, like all these things. Um, so now, um, as we age, obviously things will have some sort of like, you know, they lower, you get a little bit weaker, mm-hmm. right? You move a little bit slower. These are all, all truths, right? It's yeah. okay. Like that, it's fine. Um, but that, again, that doesn't mean that the things that you were doing are inherently bad, um, prior to. Right. I, I mean, the whole point of doing it now is building up to when we get there, we're still able to move. We're still able to carry. We're still able to do basic functionalities of squat, push ourselves up off the ground, pull ourselves up off the couch. Like in no way, shape or form are we, yes, back squatting 400 anymore. But if I'm like 80 years old and I'm back squatting 135 and I'm like, this feels good. Nothing hurts. That's what this whole development from 30 to 85 is supposed to be. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. It, like the, there's a, several like older people that I work with, like past their sixties yeah. that we do weight training with that are still getting stronger. Um, and obviously I'm, t- you know, I have to take a lot of these other like factors into consideration, but through like slow progression, right? Basing it off of where they're at, meeting them where they're at and then going there and not, you know, not getting my ego involved and mm-hmm. trying to be like, get bigger, get stronger. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are moving better. A lot, they feel better. They're, you know, one of, one of my guys recently had a kid, he's a little bit older and, uh, he was concerned about being able to like run around and play with his kids. Guess what? Homies run around throwing his kids around. <laughs> like, um, people, I have somebody who's going on a big trip. Um, and they're, they were concerned about like being able to like handle the stairs and some of these like places that they're going to be. And I was like, sweet, we're going to work on it. Yeah. And guess what? Like stairs have become a lot easier. Yeah. Um, you know, retirement aged people being able to like continue to live their lives without stress of falling behind. And at that point, that's all it is, is you're living for, you're, you're working out for quality of life. 
these people, yes. Yes, the, specifically, yeah. 100%. And so I've managed to make their quality of life better. So it's a goddamn win. Yeah. And guess what? Some of that involved back squatting. No. And guess what? Some of that involved front squatting. No. Wild, I right? know. That's right? crazy. And lunging and stepping up um, and variations of deadlifts. Right, like, did that involve trunk development? And a hundred percent. No. Yeah, I had to teach people how to like engage their engage their TA and oh how to engage God. their shoulders and transfer force appropriately. So what you're saying is proper education and development will lead to proper strength training and mm-hmm. process. Yeah, crazy. Right. Huh. Now the the um the thing that I would say in this guy in this person's I guess uh, not defense but I think a better way that they could have. They could have worded it better and say, instead of saying that you shouldn't back squat, you know, I think there's a very good argument to be made about not one rep maxing back squats I th- or, or front squats mm-hmm. or deadlifts, right? right? Like honestly, one rep maxing in general. Um, I think there's a really good argument to be had for the general population that you don't need to do that. Yeah. So to be like, Hey, I think doing like high, high intensity back squats or something that you don't need to do mm-hmm. um, because, and all of the points that they just made can be very good points now that would apply where it's really hard to maintain your trunk engagement correctly. Um, it's really easy to start seeing people dump into their pelvis. Um, it's really easy to see people lose stability, creating more stress into their spine than they need to because they can't handle high, heavy loads. Yeah. Well, now all of your arguments and points really make sense. Mm-hmm. But to say just in general, yeah, it's a bad one. Yeah, yeah. And then also, as you noted earlier, is like what he's saying in the video versus what he's putting on the the text. They're not contradicting, but they're two different stories. They're two different arguments. Yeah. And then I think you and I had the conversation prior to this recording about you read the article, oh, and, and you were like, uh, this kind of doesn't align with what you're saying. Like, yeah. Well, so the the article that was being read or that was uh, noted. Um, the, the whole thing was actually not about compression of the spine, but it was about compression of the knees. Yeah. So it was a, stu- it was a study on the knee, which is interesting. And so they did EMG, um, which is like, ele- ele- uh, electro, oh shit. I don't remember what EMG stands for. <laughs> Whatever. Um, it's essentially putting electrodes to see like electrical activity through muscles, mm-hmm. right? Is what they were doing. And so they did EMG data on to see what uh, what level of muscle activity was being done in like the quads and the hamstrings and the glutes and the erectors, which are the muscles that run along your spine to keep you upright. And so the comment that I made, I made a comment out to this and I was like, though the study, I'm like, um, the study that you, hold on, too far away. Why am I trying to read that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said the the study that you cited is in reference to the knees, not the spine, in relation to the compressive forces. Um, other than EMG data on erector activity, uh, which the front squat data was actually higher because you have to maintain more of an upright upright torso, and the erectors help um, extend your spine. Um, they also noted that quote there is no difference between front and back squats in which muscles are being activated. Front squatting less weight results the same muscle activation as back squatting more weight, which again could go into, which is something we already kind of noted on, right? Is that the muscle activation activity is the same, the same regardless of the movement that you're doing. Um, and so the idea of like one necessarily being better than the other from a muscle activity standpoint doesn't really hold true based off of that article that was being used. So 
um, and really compressive force, I think is more so it should be called more of a shearing force when you're looking at the knees. Um, and a lot of that, right. The whole idea of like knees over knees going over your toes is bad for your knees because of the shear that you get from the, from the knee joint, um, or some of the unnecessary loading on the quadricep tendon that kind of goes through the front of the knee, but that's largely been debunked. Um, but it's all again, based off of appropriate movement, right. Appropriate loading and building up the tolerance to handle stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the other part too, that I would, I would note, like if you're going to ha- hold like say a back, like say a squat to that level of la- that level of scrutiny. Um, and this is a CrossFit gym. Do you hold the same standard when we look at some of the gymnastics movements, right? High, vol- high velocity, high velocity, like kipping movements. That's can be very dangerous to a shoulder. Yeah. I was going to say like, you can't, you can't claim the detriments of, of a back squat versus a front squat and then not go on to say, and we're not saying that they did or did not, but like you can't go on to say that, Oh yeah. Butterfly is fine. Yeah. Would, yeah. Which we don't know if that's the case, right? But to just, just make note of like, well, is that argument something also being had in their, in their head? Right. Cause in reality, like most, most CrossFit gyms, and I know we've bitched about this in the past, like most CrossFit gyms tend to be like, yeah, go ahead, jump up on the bar. Here's how you kip swing. And now here's how you do some kipping pull-ups. Yeah. And it's like, how many pull-ups can you do? Yeah. By the way, I know you have zero strict pull-ups. Yeah. Right. There's no foundational strength to be able to even allow you to, in my opinion, allow somebody to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't, I, I, I might be repeating myself at this point, but you know, at my old, at my old gym, we were very strict on that stuff. And it was like, if you cannot do this, the like X amount of like pull-ups, whatever arbitrary number we set, then you are not, you, you cannot do kipping work mm-hmm. because you don't have the ability to maintain control through your shoulder, through very high velocities and very high, like skill quote unquote movements. Yeah. So it's just like, that's just a recipe for a disaster. I know. I agree. Uh, I, you know, I've noticed it's more of a personal choice for me, uh, moving around from facilities that I, I'm probably the only one that promotes the strict pull-ups first. <laughs> strict before kit, man. Yeah. Always. Yeah. There, there's, there's, there's a couple coaches I ran into. They have the same mindset, but it's very far and few between. Yeah. More often than not. Yeah. It's very much, I want to teach them the flash so that they can show them that we develop this process faster. And it's like, yeah, but the detriments to the shoulder at this point are greater than they would be if you trained the strength first. Yeah, so you got to deal with that. Um, but yeah, anyway, they, uh, yeah, the when it comes to the gymnastic stuff, that's always that's always like a tricky one because it seems it seems like you know people have a lot of uh, opinions on strength things, um, specifically within the CrossFit world, right? We're very we like you always hear about progression with Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Well, not always, but yeah. more often than not, yeah, you hear about like we're going to start light, focus on doing it well. Um, if it's if you're there's a lot of passes that happen when you're getting into like with metcons and stuff and doing like high rep. Olympic lifting movements, but I would say more often than not, the, a lot of the coaches tend to be like, all right, let's take it light because you can't handle the weight mm-hmm. and let's do it. Let's get success, um, rather than struggling through one at a time and put you in dangerous positions. Yeah. Right. That's very, that's, that's fairly common in Olympic weightlifting within CrossFit, but gymnastics just for whatever reason, hasn't seemed to catch up in that regard. Yeah. Um, the it's, real, <laughs> yeah, it's very much, uh, you see pull up, 
you want to do pull up and then you jump to muscle up. Yeah. It's like, it's eh, like, it's not how that works. You know, not too long ago, I was watching, watching, um, some coaching at a different facility and we were, and I was watching, um, them teach muscle ups and I was watching them like coach people who couldn't really do a pull up trying to develop the skills to do a muscle up. And mm-hmm. I was just like watching some wild shit happening. And I'm like, come on, like, come on. Yeah. Like you, for any person looking out, like should be able to look at it, look from an outsider looking in and go like, hold on something, something like it just isn't adding up right now. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, like why, why are you doing this? Um, but whatever. I mean, at a certain point, at a certain point, there's only so much you can do. Right. Like, I'm not going to walk up to the, to this coach in particular and be like, Hey, it's not your place. You probably shouldn't do this. Exactly. Yeah. It's not my place. Yeah. I mean, it maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always torn on that one. Uh, if you have no stake in the gym, if you don't own it, yeah, it's the, it's the, I know it's the safety in you. You're just like, Hey, well, it's not even, not even just the safety. It's like, you can do better. Like, <laughs> like, especially cause this person I like, and I was like, Oh, come on. Like, are you, yeah. I like you. I want you to be successful. And I also want the people that you're coaching to be successful. Like, Unsolicited advice, man. It's, it's very true. Well, it's also, I think the difference, right. It's very much unsolicited <laughs> advice, but it's also like they're working. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be maybe, it, maybe on the off shoot. Like you're like, Hey, let's go get a coffee. Maybe that, you know, that could definitely be something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's like the you know when you have Karens walking in telling telling like random people how to do their job. Where's your manager? It's the same thing. <laughs> right? I'm just like, yeah, I don't I don't need to walk in and tell you how to do your job. Yeah, um, necessarily. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it, well, real quick, anything else you wanted to kind of note on with uh? With don't the, do back comment? squats. They're bad for you. Yeah, they're gonna blow your back out. Yeah, they're gonna blow your back out. Front squats will never do that to you. They're loyal. Every front squats are loyal. <laughs> <laughs> They'll always treat you right. That's right. They'll take you out to eat. Hey, they stab you in the front, not the back. That's why you do front. You squats. can see it coming at yeah, least. Exactly. That's a real homie. Judas. <laughs> no. We <laughs> <laughs> got frankincense. I have you seen that? Yeah, I love. We got those. Mur. murder. Judas. <laughs> Oh my god! I brought you squats. <laughs> um, but, but front squats. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so progressions, right? If we wanted to talk about it, um, air what, squats. Yeah, right. So start you, with the basics. It's it's it always goes unloaded, unloaded to loaded, right? So you can talk like especially so from a coaching side, yeah. right? When we're trying to teach movement development, right? Uh, air squats number one, right? Squat to a bench. Squat to a ball, mm-hmm. just squat lower and lower. Yeah, right. You build up to the person's ability. Now, by the by, also also at this time, you also have to address movement inabilities, right? right? Whether it's to the ankle, the hips, like whatever the case may be, right? Those need to be addressed simultaneously. Um, then you can then you can start looking at loaded, right? Goblet is a great way to begin, mm-hmm. right? Then you can look at um, per, uh, to be totally honest, I would usually go back squat post that. Um, assuming competency. And then I would go into more of a front squat mm-hmm. because realistically the front squat requires a significant amount of range of motion and mobility to do it well. So a back squat is a way that you can still load and train the lower body while also being able to um, simultaneously work on range of motion. 
You could throw in there a trap bar if you really wanted to. Um, cause you could do squats through a trap bar, which yep. are pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryan Flaherty, <laughs> shout out to him for introducing me to some interesting concepts on that. Um, but, and that like, honestly, that's kind of usually it. Yeah. Now the other thing now, Mike Boyle, for example, takes a, a pretty good approach, right? If the idea or if spinal loading is something that we are concerned about, well, then you start turning that into unilateral movements or single leg movements, lunges, step ups, split squats, Bulgarian split squats, oh, yeah, Bulgarians, yeah, RDLs. All of these things are will, will require you to significantly take the load down while still putting you know roughly equal amount of stress onto a single leg at a time, right? So if you can do say a two hundred pound back squat, say that's your one rep max, um. Well, not even one rep max. Let's say you can rep 200 pounds for a back squat, but maybe on a Bulgarian split squat, you can, you'll probably maybe only be able to do say, I don't know, 80 to 80 to hundred pounds mm-hmm. maybe. So, okay, well that's, that's half the weight that's going to be loaded onto the body, but you're still getting roughly the same amount of work done on one leg at a time. Um, you could say, and that the same rule applies to, you know, any, any unilateral movement bench yeah. press, shoulder press, like, et cetera. And the thing I, I think I like about, uh, split squats is not only does it develop the, the leg strength and like well, whole body strength, but it also teaches balance. Cause you need to have balance yeah. doing those single legs. Yeah. And so that's a, that's another, probably another good developer that, you know, maybe we overlook in the development of the squat It's like, all right, do you have balance on both legs? Yeah. Both, both, both the neurological concept of balance, right? Being able to say like stand on one leg, but yeah. also like symmetrical balance mm-hmm. in the muscle ways, muscle size yeah. or muscle strength, right? Cause we have dominant sides. <clears throat> so you can look at, I mean, I've done big sets of say single legs, like Bulgarian split squats. And I've been like, man, my left leg is dying yeah. right now versus my right. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well there is a strength imbalance right there. Yeah. So then if you were to take that strength imbalance now into a, bilateral movement or a double leg movement like a back squat well we're only going to continue to reinforce that um unevenness yeah so yes you're 100 yeah you're 100 on like in the idea that um unilateral movements should be an active role play an active role in any sort of like strength program um most most of the people that i work with that's uh, like we'll do okay like usually once or twice a week depending on how often i'm seeing them some level of like unilateral exercise or bilateral exercise, like a deadlift or a squat, uh, press, whatever. But that's usually just one, you one or one to a couple sets just to push some weight to, right. Just to get the, the, the neurological development, um, and the neuromuscular development of being able to push heavy weight and produce force. But then after that, a lot of it turns into single arm, single leg, more locomotive things like uh like walking lunges or you know whatever the case may be right um step ups is a huge piece that i've been playing with a lot recently which i'm enjoying um right rdls single leg rdls that type of stuff Mm -hmm. um as more of like the brunt of the work and again this is these are lifestyle people right the sport people sometimes will play a little bit more into some bilateral movements but it very it's very case dependent on what they're going to be doing so that's also like a progressive aspect that you can think of too. So, right. Like if we're thinking about the progressions of a, of a, just a movement as a whole, not worrying about loadedness, right. It all, it's always going to go, um, single or double leg, stable, single leg, stable, double leg, unstable, single leg, unstable. And there's ways you can think about that, but simplest enough would be like air squat, 
split squat. Um, I mean, I guess air squat on like an unstable surface, which more often than not, people aren't going to be doing. Bosu balls? Like Bosu balls or, (laughs) um, we used to have these, uh, like, uh, like foam mats that we used to do stuff uh with, which I love. Um, again, time and place. But then, um, you can think of then moving into like, uh, rear foot elevated squats, right? That Bulgarian split squat. Yeah. And you can even argue, you can even think of like stable, unstable in the sense of like, say you're going to do a Bulgarian split squat while holding on to um, like uh, one of the vertical poles for the rig or holding on to like a PVC pipe to give them something else to support themselves if they need it. And then building off of that of like, um, you know, unstable supported and then like say unstable and then it can then turn into unstable loaded, right? Or single leg loaded as they kind of progress. Right. So there's a lot, there's so, there's a lot of ways and variations to like change these things to, to challenge people and build them up appropriately. But all of those exercises that I just named, I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there who would say like, this is a terrible idea, Yeah. but it's all case dependent. Nothing is inherently bad. Right. And it was a very, like very middle of the road argument to be like, nothing is necessarily inherently bad or good, but it's in reality, it's the application of it that can make it bad or good. Does my 60-year-old need to max out back squats? Nope. Fuck yeah. <laughs> 100%. Show me your one rep. Will he? No. No. Not with me. <laughs> he won't. Right? But we'll definitely work on single leg movements. Yeah. Right? Because he needs the, the, he needs to be able to like walk. Right? right. Where we do step ups. We do variations of a walking lunge. Um, we'll do like lateral movements. All of these things that are like life applicable. Right. You walking as a single, a series of single leg exercises. So get at me, bros. <laughs> Going back real quick to like the finding your one rep, would you say it's probably beneficial to maybe do once or twice a year just to f- find your base and s- like maybe develop off of that? I think it depends. Yeah. Like what you're going for. Well, I think it depends on the person because there's there. um, What's it called? Um, it depends on age in my opinion, and it depends on, uh, like phys- like chronological age, but then also training age mm-hmm. because you, if you're younger and you're trying to one rep, well, you probably don't have the like intermuscular coordination to be able to handle, uh, handle being able to do a, a, a heavy, like a one rep squat. Right. You also probably don't have the neurological development to be able to handle a one rep squat. Um, if you're older, but you're untrained, those same rules apply. Right. So I think it really just depends at what point in that life cycle is it that you need to do. Um, if you're a well-trained person and say your training is kind of dictated off of one reps, right? You're an Olympic lifter, you're a power lifter, um, where then the, you know, and there, the, there's an argument to be made about percentage-based training too, but we'll leave that to another day. Um, uh, if, if your sport calls for it, then yes, I think doing it every so often is something that you probably should do. Um, I tend to be more of a fan of talking about not necessarily a, an absolute one rep max, but more of like a technical, I call it a technical one rep max, mm-hmm. where is how, what is the heaviest weight that you can move under like the most optimal movement that you can. Mm-hmm. So if form starts to break down and the integrity of the movement starts to break down, then it's probably, probably a lot heavier than what it should be. Yeah. And so that's usually where I'll call it. So in other words, it's like building to a heavy 
that, for the day. That's what I like to say too, is heavy for the day. Right. Because then, because then you're not like, do we count it? Right. Do you, if it's like your knees are collapsing, your back is rounding and you're the whole goal of this is like you went down and came back up. You mean last year's CrossFit games? Every CrossFit games with a max, <laughs> but do like, do, should we count that? You know, be, um, because you are watching all of the compensations happen yeah. at one place. Yeah. Whereas I feel like it's more comparable to build up to a heavy weight that you can move well, like very well. And that gives a truer representation of what you're capable of that you can then build off of. Right. Also, it won't explode your body yeah. <laughs> from that like too. straining so hard. That too. Because I've never seen a one rep max look good. Outside of professional lifting. Yeah, probably not. My one rep deadlift was ugly. It's never good. My one rep back squat was ugly. My one rep clean and jerk, though. I liked it. Right, but the one, the, a one rep clean, like a one rep clean and jerk and a one rep snatch are not true tests of overall power, of your absolute strength. It's true. Because the, the mechanics of it require, right? Because if we're thinking about, say, a clean, uh, the cl- the deadlift portion of a clean is not generally nowhere near your actual deadlift. That's weight. true. Yeah. It's probably, yeah. Right. The, the me, maybe you might, you might be closer when it comes to say like a front squat max. Okay. So then maybe that's a little bit closer in that regard. Um, you're also your press, right? The jerk portion of it. Um, it's, you're probably cl- You're well, actually, no, you would be, you're, you're likely, near max for a jerk Mm -hmm. um just because that's not the weakest port well that's usually the weakest portion of the lift um it should at least it should be (laughs) hopefully you can't jerk more than you can squat shit imagine i mean there's probably cases of that but it's weird you're squatting 300 you're cleaning 250 but you're jerking 275 <laughs> you're you're jerking, you're jerking like 340. Right? That'd, be, that'd be very funky if that were the case, right? Like if it's disproportionately high. Arms all day. But but it, but again, there's a lot of factors to this where it's it really doesn't make your absolute. It's not a test of your absolute strength. Right. It's a test of your absolute technical max. Damn. So my technique was pretty. Yeah, your technique was good. Nice. Right. Reality. That's what it is. Right. Because I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, one of my clients over the, the other day, cause he was watching one of the weightlifters lift and he was like, how much weight is that? I was like a lot. <laughs> I'm like, it's a significant amount of weight. And, uh, is in kilos. Yeah. So it's even heavier. So it's even heavier. Um, no, I mean, they were, they were working, uh, what was it? I mean, it was, yeah, they were, they were working around with like probably like 250 something like that for like clean and jerks and stuff. Like I know it's not their max. They were doing percentages, but I was like, they're moving a lot of weight, like more than they can lift. Um, more than I can lift right now. Shit. She, she, so, but the, we were talking about it and I was like, you know, I'm like, weightlifting is a weird sport because it requires like, it requires very good strength. It more so requires very good power. Mm-hmm. And even more than that, it requires really, really good technique. Mm-hmm. And you could be the strongest person to ever step foot on a platform. But if your technique is absolute dog shit, Odds are you ain't winning. It'll show too. And it'll show. Yeah. So like there's a tipping point and I know we've talked about this in the past, especially with weightlifting is like there, there's one of two things that usually happens when people plateau, either they've hit the limits of their technique or they've hit the limits of their strength. Mm -hmm. It's usually it's one or the other more often than not. 
And so that's what has to be addressed. And it's this fine balancing point of like, as you get stronger, your technique has to catch up to the new stimulus and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would argue that weightlifting going back is more of a, a technique max lift rather than a physical strength max lift. Fair enough. Get at me. I'm at you. Very, very much debate mode today. <laughs> Thanks, Marissa. <laughs> oh, we had a fun debate this morning. <laughs> so, shout out to the turtle. Shout out to the turtle. Le, uh, t- the tortuga. La tortuga. What's turtle in Italian? Can't remember. Michelangelo. More of a Raphael. Oh, her. Her. Oh, Marissa? Yeah. I would think she's more Michelangelo. No. She's more of a... You're Donatello. Which one's the the goofy pizza one? Michelangelo. Is it Michelangelo? Yeah. All right, she's Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. You're Donatello. You're the nerd. He's the purple one. Yeah. And who are you? I don't know. I always claim Leo, but then everybody's like, you're not Leo. You're not a leader. And I'm like, God damn. (laughs) Tell me how you really feel. Well, he's like... Leo... Leonardo Leonardo's like he's very like uh stoic. Yeah. Right? He's but you can be. Yeah. And I'm not Raphael. I'm not aggressive. Like I'm not like always trying to go pick a fight or Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like you are a good a good mix of all four turtles. Yeah, all of them. So I would be Master Splinter. I'm the fucking rat. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> hey. He's a cool rat, though. Somebody's got to have all the knowledge. Someone, someone's got to be the wisdom person. That's right. It's you. That'll be me. Um, spe- I could be April O'Neil if I wanted. Uh, you fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to be Casey Jones, though. No. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely not Casey Jones. <laughs> no one wants to be him. <laughs> not even Casey wants to be Casey. Yeah, poor Casey. R.I.P. I don't think he's dead, but. No, no, no. Just F's in the chat for yeah, him. F's in the chat. Um, but speaking of rats, I guess real quick, the, the end portion of this, I found that I just watched uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, the second one. God. Did you watch it? Weasel? No, yeah. The, no, not just the weasel. Like the, oh, the, oh, yeah, the yeah, rat. Yeah, rat girl. Rat girl rat number catcher. two. Yeah. Rat, so whatever it was. Yeah, rat catcher two. <laughs> What'd you think about it? Uh, I thought it was entertaining. I did too. I think it was significantly better than the first one. I also agree. By like light years leaps and bounds yeah i because i was telling everybody i was watching it with i was like it's a standalone film i was like in your head try and erase what happened prior to this Mm -hmm. try because this will stand by itself and it will have its own legacy yes well here's the thing and i was talking to one of my clients about this is um suicide squad is similar to james bond in that it doesn't really matter who the cast is right because that can that is always ever changing or can be ever changing you might have overlaps like you know you saw like uh harley harley quinn mm-hmm. and uh captain boomerang for a moment rip rip um but it's a it's a mission movie yes. they're, they're they're all mission movies yes so like each individual movie can stand on its own they don't have to be related other than the concept of Here's some convicts. Here's a mission. Here, here's, here's some convicts that we're going to kill if they decide to not uh, listen to us. Um, and they're going to send you on essentially an, an impossible mission. And if you die, you die. If you succeed, pretty cool. We'll take some time off of your sentencing. Yeah. 
Like that that's that, that's that core concept stays there, which they like literally um <laughs> um exposited like the first 10 seconds of the film of Yo, like I'm Amanda Waller yeah. and this is the thing and if you decide to detract we're going to blow your head up and if you uh succeed then awesome. We're going to take some time off of your sentence. Yeah, like, good you, for me. <laughs> like that, that was like straight up what happened yeah. like the first 30 seconds and you're and I we were we were like setting up um, cause we were getting dinner when we were watching it last night and I was like, Oh, they're just going straight into it. Yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> I, I, I like that because it takes away from having that whole, cause the first one had that whole backstory of all that bullshit. And in the second one, I liked it. I appreciate it. Cause I was like, okay, here's a quick catch up. This is what happens. You fuck up, you die, you win. Good for you. Right. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, let's move on with the movie. Yes. I love that so much. I was like, thank God we don't have to sit through this shit again. Yeah, and they were very they were very quick to get straight to the point, right? Because yeah. this is a perfect one because I don't think Marissa saw the first Suicide Squad. Which is even better. Right? So one, her view wasn't tainted. But yeah. two, uh, she didn't like really know exactly what to expect. Yeah. It's like, sweet, perfect. And they like, especially like right through the very beginning of it, they're like, here's King Shark. He's a shark. Um, here's this thing. And they're like, is it a dog? He's like, you fucking think it's a dog? Like, what type of dog do you think it is? Right? And it's like that weasel character. I fucking loved it. Right? And they're like, you know, uh, whatever the TDK guy. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was right They're Like, they kind of like loosely started to explain a little bit about the characters. But in reality, no one cares about the back. Like, the premise of the movie is not to care about the characters or their backstories. Yes. You're in it because it's a suicide mission. Yeah. And you're trying to watch the action and the calamity that ensues in like a very grotesque, like kind of gory way, mm-hmm. but in a very dark comedy way. Yeah. I, I do appreciate that they only gave real backstories to those that they, that you knew you had a feeling were going to live. And even some, you were just like, like the snap of a finger. You're like, wait, what happened? Like, yeah. How, how and why? But you know, they gave, they gave decent amount of backstory to those that needed it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't prolonged or, or elongated. It was just like, all right, this is this. This is why. Move on. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Like uh, Idris Elba's character oh, was a blood sport. Yeah. I um, love Idris Elba in anything. Yeah. He's kind of hard to not do good. Yeah. <laughs> not do well yeah. in anything. But like he was a perfect one where they were very fast. Yeah. And it was funny. Yes. Like the, the backstory was like super quick. It was really entertaining and funny to have that moment. Right, and they jump straight into like, "Hey, you're a part of the mission now, and here's how we're going to uh, entice you to do it." Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then it's in, yeah. right? That that was it, and it's yeah. done. So it's like perfect. Like you, you got the gist of why they're a part of it. You know their mo- the you somewhat know their motivations, and like that's kind of it. Like you don't need to build deep character love um, for really any of these. B, they're really B characters. Yeah, and even like the comics, right? Like. I didn't know who Bloodsport was. Like, I, I don't recognize. I didn't recognize him. Yeah. I didn't, rec- I didn't recognize um, some of the other people either. Javelin. Um, yeah. They're all real characters. Yeah. Who is like Javelin, um, like Mog- Mongol. Yeah. Some, something some like that. like that, yeah. The guy who, like, his arms came apart. Um, Liber- or what was his name? Liberty? Yeah. Who's John Cena's character? I forget uh, his name. Yeah, fuck. What was his name? Something of justice. Yeah, something justice. <laughs> something justice. Um right, Bloodsport, Harley Quinn, the Weasel. For a helmet. <laughs> um and then they had the thinker. Oh. Uh, which they did almost nothing with. Yeah. Other than just having somebody who looks weird. Yeah. Um 
which what a waste of Peter Capaldi because he's such a great actor. Uh, and I'm like, how are you gonna how are you gonna just waste him away? He like he existed on screen by saying almost nothing most of the movie. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. I was so stoked when I saw like saw him because I didn't I didn't look into this movie at all. Right. Yeah. I don't think anybody did. <laughs> and so when he showed up, I was like, huh? Doctor Who. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I like love Peter Capaldi. Yeah, that's cool. And then six lines later. He has like no, he has like nothing, <laughs> almost nothing to say. Like half of him is just walking around, looking around. Yeah. He's like, ooh, what are you going to do? Sylvester Stallone as King Shark had more lines. 100%. <laughs> King Shark was awesome. I loved him. He was such a good character to have into this. Oh my God. Um, You're yeah. not reading dummy. The book's upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. King Shark question. Hand. Yes. Yes. That is your hand. <laughs> <laughs> I wear disguise. What are you gonna wear? Mustache. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, go fucking watch. It. <laughs> yeah, the the movie is very it's it's very much worth the watch. Yeah. Um. So that's all I wanted to say. I was like, yeah, I watched it. I was I was pleasantly surprised. No, it was, it was a good movie. I mean, I had wildly low expectations, and because of that, I was like, oh, this is a good movie. Yeah. Like, I felt I, I fell asleep watching it last night. Yeah. And I like woke up and I was like, I'm going to finish this movie. Yeah. Right. So like, like that's where my head was at. I was like, Ooh, I'm really glad that James Gunn took it over. Like James Gunn, James Gunn is a good director. Yeah. I think they needed that creativity. Yeah. He, I think he, cause he did was, he was the first, first and second gardens of the galaxy. If I remember correctly. Right. Yes. And I think they brought him back for three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think he has like a good vision for the kind of ridiculous comic book characters absolutely i mean if you look at guardians right it's ridiculous they're they're it's very absurdist the the story of them coming together from all walks of the galaxy is absurd but he makes it work and it's the vision that we're like oh yeah that that works it's a bunch of like idiot individuals that like really fuck everything up but then also succeed at the same time yeah failed successfully exactly (laughs) right and that's literally what the suicide squad is is like I mean, right off the bat. Could you imagine giving James Gunn the first cast? Oh, that would have been so awesome. Right? Like, right? Like, you had... Yeah, they really messed that one up. Yeah. Because you you had Deadshot, you got Captain Boomerang, you had, like... You had a significant cast of... Enchantress. B-rated bad guys. What's this? Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, other... Like, Deadshot and Harley Quinn in the first one are really probably the two most notable yes. like villains. Everybody else is a little like they're, they're You're very like, much Who? on the edge. Yeah. Captain Boomerang literally is like a joke character that exists in the, uh, oh, what, what was uh, in like there was, it, I think they called them the rogues gallery in Marvel, but it's, it's similar to like, um, like they did legends of tomorrow i don't know if that show's still on anymore but it was like captain cold um and other people that i can't think of for whatever reason but it was just like people with like stupid powers yeah um or like stupid technology so it was like a cold guy and a boomerang guy or like uh trickster was one of them um who showed up he showed up in a d in one of the flash episodes played by uh, mark hamill which he did awesome <laughs> um but like trickster is literally just like plays like gags and jokes on people like it's just it, they're stupid yeah. characters um and so to like you really have to lean into like how stupid some of these villains are because they're villains from like 
the 40s and the 50s where it was like kind of PG, right? J- the javelin guy, <laughs> polka dot man. Yeah, polka. What a joke, right? <laughs> but that was an extreme power to have. Yes, surprisingly, <laughs> yes. I was like, I, the whole time, I'm like, what are they gonna do with him? Like, what could he possibly? And then it happens, and you're like, oh shit! You're like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, yes. And then, oh my god, his story with his mom. When, like, when, when my favorites, one of my favorite scenes in the entire film. Like, I had two. One was when they were in the club, like that club. Yes. And it was just him dancing in the room, and then just a bunch of his moms yes. dancing around him in like different clothes. Fucking hilarious. I audibly laughed. I was like, what is happening? Yes. Like that's a perfect representation of how this film needs to be. And then the other one was towards the end when it was like a giant, I'm not going to spoil the ending. A giant mom. A, the giant mom just like punching through a building. <laughs> and I was like, this is so good. Oh my God. I loved it. Whenever they turned, whenever they turned something into his mom, it was I'm hilarious. Like, this is great. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a motherfucking superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was that was a really good film. Yes, yeah, so it was very entertaining. I would recommend. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, Talk about? No, I mean, yeah, we we pretty much, you know, vented about it, and I know we've been holding on to it for about a week now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I I think everything we said is very important uh, to note that you know, again, it's it's about progress. It's about learning the proper movement or the proper mechanics to go through the proper movements and development, you know, as an athlete with your coach, listening, training, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, don't, don't call one thing detrimental, but then call its immediate twin better, better or beneficial. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm just going to agree because otherwise I'm just gonna repeat everything you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, awesome, man. Uh, one quick thing to note, I'm very excited uh, for our next week. Uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, my friend, Dr. Heather on, and we'll be uh, talking about uh, or discussing the uh, men's mental health and being able to talk about it. So, again, if you're listening now, uh, please feel free to reach out to us at anotherrepodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us a, an email or at our Instagram at another period rep period podcast. Questions, comments, anything. Again, we will keep you anonymous unless you request it. Um, you know, we, we both Ryan and I, we, we definitely want to hit this subject because it's again, it basically in the name, men don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be a fun one. I'm excited for this. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts as well as if, uh, you wanted to, if you wanted to ask a question, um, and you want to actually be played and like responded to, um, you can leave us a voicemail at our our hotline, yeah, right, five three zero seven six three two two seven eight or five three zero podcast. Yeah, um, you can text it or leave us a voicemail, and we can uh, answer. Hopefully, we'll have Heather be able to answer that call, answer your questions for you. Yeah, again, not anonymity yes. is always a, always a thing. Right. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. All right, bye, bye.